Missile, a Macquarie Online podcast. Well, this is our first episode, uh, so welcome uh, to those that are listening. My name is Kozen Indigo, uh, and my co-host is Captain Cat. And we are, how would you describe us, Captain? So we're a couple of uh, mech dad, competitive, try-hard uh, law warriors. <laughs> you know, because mech dad is like... Uh, pejorative term right where it's it's old mans who play macquarie i only got one arm <laughs> there's a, a lot of people out there that throw that word around who ha- just happen to be fathers <laughs> mick dads but not like me <laughs> yeah 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 i'm one of those cool mick dads so we've been um playing the game for a little while now not i uh, for me that's been a couple of years for you cat well, I um, actually started in uh, open beta, back in open beta days, and um, played through until after the clan invasion, and then quit because of, mostly because of rage issues, <laughs> and then came back to the game uh, a little older and wiser, uh, a little bit more detached uh, a couple of years ago, and have been playing, yeah, thousands of hours ever since. Yeah, yeah, we both uh, play pretty regularly, and we Too much. try to... Yeah, try to be involved in the community. We uh, consume, I guess, a lot of the media around it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, forums and Reddit and uh, Twitch streams. Uh, we're, so, com- yeah. we're competitive players, so we both lo- belong to Clan Crossfire, CXF. Um, yeah, some of we're... us are more competitive than others. <laughs> so I, I'm the uh, team captain for Crossfire, and uh, um, we've taken part in MRBC in a couple of forms, uh, Battle for Midway as well as MRBC, and um, the team goes back further than me, but we've also been doing uh, the uh, Stock Mode World Championship, which... Mm, it's going okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. So, um, we uh, have decided to start this podcast um, as an opportunity, I guess, to talk about a game that we uh, are involved in and that we like. Um, there is uh, a lot of media out there regarding uh, Mechware Online, um, but not a lot of podcasts. Mm. And, and a lot of the rhetoric is, is kind of uh, the same. It's kind of a stale meter of, of rhetoric, you could say. <laughs> Need some balance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and look, we, um, you know, we wanted to take an opportunity to, um, you know, have a discussion around MechWarrior, uh, you know, to, to take the middle ground uh, around uh, some of the issues and, and uh, topics that are out there, um, you know, reviewing mechs and, and uh, talking about, um, you know, what's hot on top, what's coming up, um, but but doing it in, in a balanced way. I think there's a lot of uh, discussion points already out there, so we'd like to maybe unpack some of that and look at it from different angles. I mean, I'm a, a designer by trade uh, in graphics and 3D, so I'm coming at it from, from an angle of understanding that i'm also a, a casual interest in psychology and um science and and those sort of things so um coming at it from that angle whereas you cousin yeah I'm, I'm a performance advisor uh in in the real world so uh how am i doing yeah doing not bad not bad um thanks man. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i just have to check your check your data check your metrics um but yeah no, my um you know i come at it from an, an idea that um you know, I, I like the game and, and uh, am very average at it, so uh, it does interest me um, 
to uh, think about those aspects and, and uh, you know, what influences what makes someone um, good or, or, or perform well um, at the game. So, yeah, just, just trying to bring... Um, so, so PGI would maybe have someone like you in their offices? Well, maybe not as handsome, um, but, <laughs> that's, you know, certainly, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's uh, people that, that uh, look at data and, and ask what it means. Yeah, maybe. So what do you think that we want to do differently on this podcast to what people have already seen and heard? Presenting um, at least both sides of the argument or both sides of the issue. I, I think by what we want to do with the podcast is is help people out there understand um, you know, what's what might be influencing um, these issues and topics and, and some of the other stuff that they're seeing, you know, just as well, you know, as well as having a general discussion um, on on things. Yeah, well, I, and I'd like to get, I mean, it's really important to me that we just get some discussion going. Yeah, for sure. And then that's um, one of the things that we want to emphasize uh, about the podcast is that uh, we do want to hear from you. So be sure to send us your feedback. We'll be very keen to hear what you think about uh, the conversation today. Uh, you can reach us via email at incomingmissilepodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at incomingp. So welcome again to our first episode. We're going to take a short break and we'll begin the main discussion. Point two, reporting task complete. All right, let's um, kick off and and, uh, start this main topic. Uh, What we... What we're planning to do, Kat, aren't we, is um, just have a chat about uh, balance and, and some of the things relating to balance. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, pretty topical at the moment. Um, but generally, what we're um, hoping to do is, is you know, briefly cover uh, some of the things that are uh, influencing balance at the moment. Uh, in this podcast, um, we'll, we'll talk about uh, matchmaking and uh, player skill. Uh, and you know, in upcoming podcasts, we'll, we'll um, cover some different things. Uh, but before we do um, get into that, Kat, did we? You want to talk a little bit about you know what balance is overall, and you know what it might mean to Megware? Oh well, that's a big topic, of course. Um, I mean, balance. Uh, uh, hopefully, anyone listening to this conversation has a. Uh, you know, approximate knowledge of the ideas of balance that, uh, you know, either your game is, uh, let's say, symmetrically balanced like chess where everything moves the same way and is um, has the same powers and, you know, I, I take my turn, you take your turn. There's no real difference between us except for the white goes first. Um, and then there's asymmetric balance like most of the computer games we know and love to some extent so things like starcraft is a great example where you have you know the zergs who rush and and then the other factions who are a bit more slow and take time to build up um and then obviously mech warrior you have um various asymmetric factors at play you have the different classes light medium heavy assault you have uh, the different factions and a sphere and clan, and then maybe even you have um, asymmetric game modes like faction warfare, when one team is uh, in siege, one team is defending, one team is assaulting. You know, potentially one of those is easier than the other, or you have to use a different kind of games uh, uh, depending on if you're defending or receiving. Um, 
And so when we talk about balance in MechWarrior, uh, there's a lot of factors at work. Some of the stuff that we've talked about are, um, you know, there are examples of different mechanisms in the game that you could kind of tweak up or tweak down, um, or you need to tweak up or tweak down so that one thing offsets the other, right? And the, the reason that you don't, um, the reason you need those things to offset the other thing is so that uh, there's not a dominant strategy that emerges, right? You don't just want one uh, mech weapon style that dominates um, in a game where there's asymmetric balance. It's rock, scissors, paper, right? You want one, um, yeah, one to trump, one to trump two, two to trump three, three to trump one. Yeah, and if and, and if a uh, a meta, a dominant meta does develop, it's you know ideally something comes along that is a hard counter to that where, you know, say we're talking about uh, AC2s in Solaris where um, at the moment in many of the divisions, especially the heavier ones, they are the best thing to take because they're low heat, um, they're high DPS, they're long range, you can really wear someone down while they close with you and, you know, it's it's hard to deny that in some divisions that's really boring to have every mech you face be that thing and then if you don't bring that thing you're probably not going to win as long as the person can aim yeah and that's the key risk you face with balance right if the dominant strategy emerge it quickly makes the game um stale and boring well i mean from a developer point of view you're putting resources into crafting those weapons and setting you know later on down the tracks adjusting values, setting values, um, you know, all that stuff is worthless if nobody's using it. So in regards to MechWarrior, we're saying that you want that balance there so that the dominant strategy doesn't emerge what we, what uh, is known in the community as metas. You don't want a a meta to emerge that everyone has to jump to or they, they lose. And of course, you know, we can see that there is, for MechWarrior, there's a ton of different mechanisms that need to be balanced. And beyond that, I think, you know, MechWarrior is in a fairly unique position where not only does uh, AC2s need to be balanced in Solaris, they also need to be balanced in um, solo queue, group queue, uh, faction warfare, uh, faction warfare scouting, um, you know, comp queue, uh, we've seen some rebalancing happen recently with AC2s because because the stock builds only had like one ton of ammo for two guns, so better add a bit more ammo on those. So that's a way where one particular um, biome, one one particular element of the game, has influenced the balance of every sphere of the game. Because let's not forget that those weapons and mechs are the same no matter where you take them. And that's, again, maybe a, a challenge that MechWarrior faces is that with those mechanisms, there's lots of different mechanisms. Uh, they need to be balanced across lots of different situations. Uh, but if you're tweaking that, that mechanism up or down, yeah, it, it can put something else out of balance in, a, in another situation, in another game mode or another map or, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for example, if um, AC2s at the moment are dominant in Solaris, like I'm suggesting, then how do you balance that? Because they're not overpowered in solo queue, group queue. Um, so those any changes that you make might um, make them underpowered in those paradigms. 
as I've already mentioned, there is faction warfare, which is, you know, one bunch of mechs, one half of the mechs in the game versus a different half of the mechs in the game. And, you know, in solo queue, those, those uh, inner sphere and, and clan mechs are usually bunched together and mixed together. Um, whereas in faction play, they're going to be only in a sphere or only clan and somehow the balance still needs to work then yeah so you need to make those internal mechanisms work across different uh game modes that might actually be so different that they're almost like different games yeah well that's you know the inner sphere tanky and the clan have you know superior weapons so as soon as you get one of those long range maps the clans can outrange the inner sphere and those balanced decisions that you make to try and make that not overpowered or underpowered um, then have an influence on other arenas in the game. You're starting to make this sound like it's a bit tricky. <laughs> I don't envy them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like it's a, yeah, a task um, you know, that anyone would want to take on, but um, hey, at least we can we can talk about why that might be the case. And, and um, I guess we're probably not talking about um, balance being perfect. Um, you know, balance uh, is a balance and that it's, you know, ever-changing. But, um, you know, I guess a lot of the conversation is about how do we make it um, move in the right direction. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, some people um, think that they have all the answers, but I think uh, when you get right down to it in a granular level of detail of how moving one lever shifts another... Um, then it, it is a, a, it's a lot of spinning plates. Yeah, and this is spinning plates blindfolded while you're trying to do a handstand and while someone's throwing water balloons <laughs> at you during an earthquake. Yeah, while you're getting shot in the ass by a machine yeah, gun. and someone's calling you bad names. So, I mean, we've, we've talked about a couple of um, items that, um, or a couple of mechanisms that are, are really um, obvious around balance. Um, and some are... Some of those levers that you pull, some of those plates that you are spinning are bigger than others, and they will influence other things. They will influence more other levers. Um, one of the ones that is obviously you know, pretty important to everyone, but isn't always taken into account, are things like player skill and matchmaking. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about balancing the game for, for player skill, most people will jump to thinking about matchmaker and how you know if you're a, if you're a good high skilled player you don't want to be put in games with low skilled players because um, they'll drag you down or um, they'll make the game a bit more random if you if you end up on the team with a lot of noobs and then you're a high skilled player well your inf- your possibility to influence the game is is going to be limited yeah so even if we've got um yes yeah, so, so one of the first challenges around balance is even if you have um got sufficient population some players are going to be better than other players and therefore you're going to get a disparity in a game yeah that's right and so what is your game going to do about that i mean obviously you're making the best attempt to make your matchmaker as good as it can be that would be a good first step and uh, while also trying to make sure people aren't waiting too long for a game. You know, people don't want to be waiting, um, say, more than five minutes for a game. What mechanisms do we have in our game that we can... Or what? Let's put this a different way. What mechanisms are there in MechWarrior where you can um, allow a lower-skilled player to give a higher-skilled player a challenge? Well, let me um, throw an even different aspect um, at you. Is it 
rather than manipulating the mechanisms that would allow a lower skill player to compete against a higher skill player, is it not a better tactic to simply ensure that people with as close a skill level um, as possible are matched against each other? I mean, ideally, yeah. Um, it, within the framework that I mentioned of you don't want to be waiting too long for a game. Um, I think I worked out earlier today that Yaslis puts me in the top 3% of players uh, and even though that still means that uh, the top 1% of players will beat the pants off me every time, um, that during my, I worked out that during my prime time, there's roughly an average of about 16 players of my skill or greater on at any one time. And I'm not what I would consider, you know, a super awesome, talented player of the highest tier. Okay, so... You've mentioned the Yales list, and I guess the Yales list is a good um, way to illustrate one of the, the first challenges with player skill and how player skill might relate to matchmaking. Because to determine that you are in the top 3% and someone else is in the top 10%, then the Yales list is looking at some, some key data points um, you know, based on the, the way people have performed in the game, and specifically you know, match score. KD and stuff like that. So when we're looking at the Yales list, that says you in the top 3% uh, on average are going to score higher in those areas than me in the top 10%, right? Yeah, that's right. So it it has a formula that um, Scarrow uh, from Eisengrim has Shout developed. Shout out to Scarrow. Um, yeah, nice work, man. Uh, it's a great resource uh, uh, where it looks at your match score and it looks at um, your games played and it looks like at, at what class you regularly play and gives you sort of an adjusted match score and then uh, compares you to other players based yep. on that. But herein lies the problem. So if we are going to say that one player is better than another because they've scored high on those metrics, what we would want to be able to say is that when people go into games, there's an even playing field if they do score higher so if they get more kills or more damage or more match score um, we know that it wasn't another factor that's come into play to allow them to score that way so with and we've already talked about the fact that with some of the the maybe the lack of balance or some of the issues around matchmaking it's not always the case where we're going to go into a solo queue game or a group queue game and the environment that we are playing the game in is going to be the same. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we can't control the kind of mechs that each person's bringing. They might be leveling a mech that they know is bad and just playing it for fun, or they might be bringing the, the hottest shit out of their yeah, game. Yeah, exactly right. There, there could be a hundred different things, of course, that could mean that... Um, you know, I didn't perform well in that particular game. Um, and, you know, everyone out there will, um, you know, know these terms around NASCAR and potatoes and, and all these ways that we describe um, that a team hasn't worked well or the game isn't going to go well for us because, you know, of, of one of these factors coming into place. So if that's the case, if we know that it's not always going to be an even playing field when you go into a game, uh, the figures that are coming out to calculate player skill, and if we use the Yales list as an example, it's not always going to be that you're getting an accurate gauge of whether someone is skilled or not. So just even based on the metrics, uh, it can be hard to gauge player skill that way because it's not an even playing field when we hit the battlefield. Yeah, and it should be mentioned that PGI have never let us know what 
data they look at when they're using their matchmaker. I think people tend to, we, we have that really visible number on the front page uh, when you log into the mech lab of your tier. And so people assume that is what the matchmaker looks at tier primarily. And, and also they've talked about opening tiers up so that when the matchmaker is looking for a game, it's going to include this in that tier. But the truth of the matter is we don't actually we don't actually know how the matchmaker works and what's under the hood because PGI hasn't yeah. told us. But what we do know is that uh, player skill alone can be tricky to calculate, right? So it's it's hard to get something that you could uh, trust reliably simply because each player going into a game is going to have these other varying things that will influence it, um, and you know that can be things like balance um if the game's not balanced then that can in fact affect player skill or player performance um so there's that you know there's there's yeah. a relationship just there and there's well there's one big one that i look at when i look at someone's stats on their yells list and that is um looking at their kd someone with a kd of two shouldn't be able to have that as much influence on a game as to win you know three times out of four then what I can assume is that they're always running with the same group or frequently running with the same group of also skilled players and they on average as a group they're winning that many more games yeah because the the uh, leaderboard stats looks at group queue as well as solo queue yeah. so um, automatically um, you've looked at stats that have come out of the hours list and from those stats you're getting some insight around what the actual behaviours of that player might be, right? Yeah, so on the surface, they might appear to be having a phenomenal influence on the outcome of their games, and that, that may be the truth. They may play in such a way that it means that you, they win that frequently, or, you know, these other factors are skewing the data. Yeah, exactly, and if we're defining player skill by what that that, that data looks like that's where it can get tricky because not only can the current state of balance and the current state of the game affect what your output's going to be you know it might mean that you're doing more or less damage per game or you've got more or less match score per game depending on what current nerfs or what damage is being outputted by certain weapons but the very fact that the same outputs might be explained by drastically different behaviors means that trying to determine balanced decisions based on player skill can start to get a little tricky yeah a good judge of player skill if there was a reliable way in the data um, to predict whether uh, a certain player is on average going to be better than another player would be great because then you would have something to build a matchmaking system off right then you could hopefully reliably place you captain cat with people close to you on the Yarls list if they were available. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say you're a data guy. Yes. Would you say that although people's individual statistics might be more likely to be skewed, on average in a population, those uh, people of that same percentile would be better than people of a lower percentile? So say we took everyone... Uh, who is the top 5% or more. Uh, and then on average, obviously, would you say that they're going to be better than people below them? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I would. Um, although the in going up to population, then technically what you're increasing is the number of data points and therefore the, the sample size. Um, and so you can, you know, with better statistical power, predict. So if we're looking at the YALS list as an example, even though these rankings are based simply on those outputs, you know, how many KD, what your KD is or what your average match score is, um, if there's enough data points, if there's a big enough sample, then when you're comparing two players, um, you would assume that they have been exposed to those same factors um, that we talked about earlier. So, you know, they've been in the same number of games where people have NASCAR and it's it's gone tits up for them or they've played the same number of group Q games so they've had the advantage of team cohesion and those kind of things but if that's not the case um, then you even with the the population look um, you aren't necessarily getting an accurate representation of player skill what you might get through the Yales list though is that it might give you the relative position so if it's ranking you in the top three percent and me in the top ten percent it's saying that you are it's predicting that you're better than me and that prediction might be good it may not be able to predict how good you are or what the difference is between me and you but if there's enough data there um, and if there's enough players you can at least with some reliability say it's going to be better to place you captain cat in with proton than it is me because i'm going to get as long as i'm on his team i'll be all right yeah 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 exactly <laughs> um yeah, yeah so i'm just going to die quicker um but yeah i mean at least the yards list has done a good you know, a good job of bringing that together and justifying why it's the case. But what it also highlights is that without knowing how PGI use that and what decisions they're making to judge whether one player is better than another, then suddenly um, player skill becomes an issue when you're trying to balance the game because that the outputs that are coming from people playing the game and performing might be influenced by you know, the environment that they're operating in and the, the way that that environment's operating on them. You know, let's say um, certain mechs got nerfed that they liked to play or certain play styles got nerfed. Um, you know, it may influence what those scores and what those damage um, outputs look like. Here's an example for you that occurs to me. Like, I'm, basically, I'm trying to wrap my head around what you're saying. So here's an example. When I play MechWarrior, I love to uh, poke a mech what they call Pokemech. So I collect mechs. I I always have a mech that I'm, you know, looking to get. I'm, you know, I like being on Smurfy or MechDB these days and pouring over the mechs and thinking, what don't I have? I want to get my hands on this thing. It looks interesting. It's something I don't already have. And then, um, you know, I've got 40 or more mechs in my lab, which are being leveled at any one time. And so, you know, when I go in an evening, I've, oftentimes I'm just checking those times two multipliers off, um, trying to run through, grind those out, um, and get them up to those 91 skill points. Whereas I know other people in our unit love to just play their favorite mech all the time. You know, usually a meta mech. Uh, so uh, previously Halberingers, also, you know, IV4s, those kind of things, um, and just play them and play them and play them and just hone their skills down onto that particular mech and its play style and obviously when you compare those two examples of those two players 
the person who plays the same mech all the time, their stats are going to be a lot higher than they would have otherwise been than as compared to the person who prefers to always have, be having a new mech, taking it out there with one skill point, whatever it is. And maybe it's not the best thing out there, but it's fun and different. Do you agree with what? Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's a perfect example, and you might um, you might call that metric um, play diversity. So the different builds and mechs that you play, that might that is something that PGI could measure, um, and therefore that could be something that you factor into your formula when you're determining you know how good an individual player was. Because if I'm taking out um, that same diversity of builds and mechs as you are you may still perform on average better than me because of this underlying factor which is player skill but if Mm. if we don't acknowledge that and if we don't um, take into account something like play diversity then suddenly your stats are going to look different to mine um, if i'm playing the same mech uh, all the time and you know, an even more concrete example would be that if I'm in an assault and you're in a light, it may mean that I can do, um, on average, I can do uh, more, I can get more kills and I can get a higher damage output. And, you know, the Yale's list factor that in um, because they weight, um, you know, a score with a light compared to uh, a score with another build, depending on, on what the uh, averages are. Um, but it's that kind of view, and, and this is the challenge with. What you're saying is that it would be a trap for PGI to not balance the game around the idea that people's stats are influenced by all these sort of other factors, like whether they bring the same mech every time. Absolutely. What it, You may be getting false positives or false negatives. So a mech, a play style, or uh, a weapon system may look better or worse depending on those other factors um in particular they you know a player's skill level or you know the amount that they're of damage that they're outputting um will depend on those other factors such as you know what kind of play diversity uh, and build diversity do they use right because because you could look at someone's stats and think oh here's a good player i'll put them in this game but they might have a mech that's really not going to allow them to carry. Yeah, you're right. And um, someone, let's say you were measuring play diversity, um, someone might be showing as having a, a high player skill, but if you know that they're playing uh, a build that's not optimised, um, you might be better off putting them in a match with players of lower skill um, that do have mechs that are, that are optimised. Right, Or that, uh, and by optimised you could mean that the the build on it is uh, not to its full potential of what that mech can do, or also that it doesn't, say, have 91 skill points or something like that? Yeah, you could choose a whole lot of data points, but for example, the number of skill points it has could be one. Um, it's an easy one because it's just one number, right? Yeah, of course it is, but then there's a lot of just one numbers, such as um, the heat ratio, the damage output, um, DPS, you know, there, there's a lot of um, indications that you can get of a mech's power. Because you can you can take a really good mech and then put a shit build in it. Yeah, and the reverse is true as well. You can take a really bad build, but through good positioning and, and player skill, you can still do a, a ton of damage. Something else that occurs to me as well is if you get down into a more granular uh, level of how the matchmaker works, it also needs to, once it's got 24 players, put them in two teams of 12 and 
if it's got one real outlier player, uh, one thing it might already be doing is putting them in a team of lower skill players to face that team of average skill players that it's got. You know, when talking relative average, higher, lower. Uh, hopefully they're as close as we can get them in the first place. Um, and then expecting that higher skill player to carry the game with those other low players. And yet whatever mech they've brought to do that is not is not equipped to do that job. Yeah. Well, what you what you're trying to what you're doing now is you're um, outlining just how tricky this process could be, and and it's made trickier by not having some very solid ideas about what makes up player skill, and in particular, uh, what the best approach is when you're placing um, you know people of varying skills together. And again, it, you know, it highlights for us just how 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 big an influence player skill might have for what decisions you're going to make on balance, um, particularly if those decisions are based on, you know, the outputs that you're seeing from how people are performing. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Do you think that PGI wants their game to be balanced? Yes. Okay, so what about on an individual match level? Do you think that PGI wants every match to be balanced? Aspirationally, yes. I mean, they may face the reality that that they are trying to get as close as possible, um, but I think that's a realistic output. I mean, it, I think it would be disingenuous to um, say we're going to aim to get every match balanced. But this is this this is a another good reason why player skill um, as a uh, mechanism for balance uh, is really important because player skill can be a factor that makes any mech worthwhile. And if you are getting um, good balance around player skill, let's say you are more often than not putting closer skilled players together in games, um, you have to worry less about whether individual mechs are balanced. There is a couple of reasons why I think you might deliberately uh, unbalance your matchmaker in a game. And one of those is that this is a free-to-play game and you want people to keep playing your game. And so it's important that you let them win sometimes. And if you're a low-skilled player, then perhaps the only way to let to guarantee you a win now and then is to deliberately put you in a matchup against even lower-skilled players. Tinfoil hat time? Yeah, look, and, and the reason that I kind of wouldn't buy into that conspiracy conspiracy theory is with the way that MechWarrior has this, a uniqueness to it than, say, other first-person shooters, uh, in that it's a little bit slower and, and there's a definite importance on um, some key skills. It's really... If you in MechWarrior, if you influence one thing, it has ramifications. As we've talked about, it has ramifications across so many different areas, and so it's really hard to isolate one thing uh, and make that um, the noob gun that new people can, um, you know, use to get in. Um, you know, a good matchmaking system becomes the best way to give new players a chance to, you know, learn those things about the game learn to love the game through playing because they're up against people that are in the same situation i guess to to gainsay my own conspiracy theory if there's anything i've learned about mech warrior it's that there are so many random factors that even if you tried to hand someone a win on a plate they might might still lose or they could easily still lose because of the way that their team moves or um the the, the loadout that because some guy forgot to equip ammo for his gun or, you know, all these uh, 
uncontrollable factors. Yeah, exactly, dude. And that's, you know, MechWarrior has these um, layers of complexity that, that just add to the balancing picture. So we have talked about player skill um, and, and the way that uh, that ties into balance and the way that balance ties into it. The next thing that I want to talk about, because this this ties directly in, and we've talked about it a little bit, is the matchmaking. So player skill feeds into the matchmaker because it's the mechanism through which you would put people of the same uh, ability at the game into the same game um, and therefore maximize the opportunity for them to have a good experience the other thing to keep in mind is that matchmaking is fundamental because it's going to give you the most even playing field so that if you get if you're looking at the outputs from those games uh, if the matchmaking is good then you've got the best opportunity to know that the data that you're seeing from it uh, is, is true so if someone's performing well in a match that the you know that they're playing with players of, of equivalent or better player skill. Um, you, you know, on average, it's a better reflection that they have actually gone well. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that would be that would be pretty straightforward, right? To say that um, if we could get good metrics around player skill, and PJ might might already have these, but if we have a good, if we had a good way to say Captain Cat is a thirty eight, and Cousin Indigo is a thirty, so we're going to use that when we factor in if we're going to put them in the same match or not. The problem that we have, though, is that we don't do matchmaking on player skill that we know of. We do it on tiers, right? Yeah, like I alluded to earlier, we don't know what the PGI matchmaker does behind the scenes. It could be doing all sorts of things. Is The only available or visible metric that we get shown is the tier uh, on your front end. Uh, and... Um, for all we know that we, you'd hope, in fact, that uh, Matchmaker does a lot more after the fact. I mean, once it's found 24 players, that it's still it's still got to break them up into two teams. Um, we know that it tries to balance those teams into, you know, if this team has three assaults, the other team has three assaults. It tries to, um, at least in solo queue. Yeah. Well, uh, this is where Tib the tier system becomes a real risk for matchmaking because if the tier system is, a, is about identifying players and then after that it's just about making sure that the you know you've got the right numbers and you've got some of the structural things that you need for a game so that you don't have four assaults on one side and and, and ten assaults on the other if the tier system is plays a big role in in what players you get then you're almost nullifying player skill, all the metrics that feed into player skill are, are almost nullified. They're almost abandoned because as soon as you reach tier one and I reach tier one, for matchmaking purposes, we are considered equivalent. And the only thing yeah. that might separate us getting in the same game is what mech that we have, have chosen. Mm. And I, like, I, I've had my, my uh, tier disabled for over a year now because, you know, I got to, I mean, it sounds like humble brag, but I got to max tier one. It stayed there. Well, I don't need that information anymore after a couple of months, so just turn it off. The bigger risk in it becoming just, just boring to look at is that if the tier system is based purely on the amount of time that you play and that everyone will slow creep or fast creep towards it, it means once you do hit tier one, and in fact probably tier two, depending on how the matchmaker treats you, as soon as you hit a tier, the maximum tier for matchmaking purposes, it means that your performance 
your metrics, your player skill are now virtually irrelevant from a matchmaking perspective. The I might be tier one, you might be tier two, um, and we end up in the same game, but the difference between how good we actually are might be significant. And the risk to that, of course, is that if I become tier one and I can't move back down the tiers, I can actually get worse at the game, but then still end up in the same game as you. Mm. So there, you, you introduce another thing that might be influencing the data that you are getting that informs what you do about balance. So the way mechs are performing, the way certain playstyles are performing, the way certain pilots are performing will now be influenced by that matchmaking system because you are getting further away or you're reducing your chances that you're going to get games where people are as close together in their skill as they can be. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, it, it should be said that if there's any sort of newer players listening, uh, that there is a sort of a an ongoing uh, feeling within the community or um, a, 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 a common myth that doesn't necessarily mean untrue, but a common a logic that um, that the tier system is just a... What, what they call an XP bar, and if you just play for long enough, eventually, you you know, the way that the tier system works, if you win a game, you're pretty much guaranteed to gain points into that tier system, even if you did terribly. If you lose a game, you can lose tier, but even then, you're more likely to stay where you are, or even if you if you do quite well, like say fairly well <laughs> like say do 500 damage or so you'll gain again yeah but the problem being that your match score and your performance now is only affecting how quickly you will go up those tiers rather than where you should truly be positioned on that tier system so if that's the start of our data gathering uh, exercise we start by matchmaking people to matches they then play that matches we get output in the form of data, and then we use that data to see whether the game is balanced or not. Now, there are some other factors, but obviously that's a big one. The, the data outputs telling us how certain weapon systems, how certain mechs are performing um, against others. But you, with a matchmaking system the way that it is, you're not necessarily having a fundamental level where you can trust the numbers that you're getting out of it. Um, and, and that's why it becomes such a big influence on the balance decisions you make. Well, that's a big point. So you're saying that you're making balance decisions based on matchmaker. Balance is about detecting when a dominant strategy is emerging, when a playstyle, a mech, a weapon system is outperforming the its other equivalents and therefore everyone has to jump to it or they get left behind. But we're basing those decisions and we're basing whether something is outperforming something else on a matchmaking system that doesn't set the uh, an even playing field for everyone. Right. So I might be matched into the same match as you because we're both tier one, but there could be a significant difference between our skill levels, and therefore my match score might be much lower than it should be. I see. And yeah, and, and it's not because you are you are certainly better than me, um, but the difference there become the difference in our match scores is explained by player skill, not necessarily because of the weapon systems or the mech that I'm using. So let me just sum up to check that I've understood. So what you're saying is that an ineffective matchmaker 
could lead us to draw incorrect conclusions about how to balance our game beyond the matchmaker. Absolutely. It, it would at least be something that you would need to factor in when you're seeing the outputs. So it might it might suggest, because because our matchmaking is, is leading us down, it might suggest that we need to uh, buff or nerf a certain weapon playstyle because those those people who are our higher skilled players that are being thrown in with our lower skilled players are bringing a weapon system or playstyle that's just dominating the people that they're being thrown in together with. Yes, and you can go even further. You could say that if the matchmaking system was good and players of equal skill were more likely to be playing together, you wouldn't necessarily need to have balance across weapon systems or mechs because player skill, is, as we talked about before, player skill is a bigger factor in whether someone will perform in a game or not. And even if high skill players are going towards a certain meta, um, they're going to be faced up against each other anyway, therefore that meta isn't necessarily going to be as effective, or at least the hard counters that get developed for that meta might need to be. So to give you an example, let's say the top 1% of players were constantly getting matched across each other. Do you think there'd be many loom boats in those games? <laughs> Only if they want to troll each other. Exactly, but if they try and do that because they're up against other games, th then they're going to get smoked up. And again, maybe the best example of that is if we looked at a comp game, a Div A game, between a Div G game, um, those games are going to look very different in the types of mechs that are taken um, and the strategies that are used in, in, in doing that. Um, if the matchmaker was, was better, then you should see more of those good players, more of a Div A type game. Um, and the lower tier, the lower skill players, should be more a Div G. Therefore, you may not need to do the same balancing along weapons or mechs because you're pitting the players of equal skill together and weapons mechs doesn't become as significant. Right. You wouldn't need to buff LRMs because lower skill players that would that like to use LRMs um, would be most often coming against other lower skill players. I see what you're saying. So I think you'd still need. I mean, the the way that you're saying it makes it sound like like we know that those top one percent of players or those uh, very high skilled players, for the most part, prefer to bring their best mix as well. So they're the best players with the best mix with the best loadouts because they they got they got good for a, a lot of the time by learning and researching and attempting to understand all the mechanisms of the game because they're you know they're invested in it and and so they they it, it seems to me that if if we only put the top players against each other that at the top the meta would get very stale very fast because it would be you know the best weapon system and mech versus exactly the same thing every time Potentially. But you don't know that without operating that way. Um, and, and again, the, the precedence that we do have is around comp games. So if we looked, if we tracked Div A um, across the last few MRBC seasons, do, do we see a difference there? Has there been a shift um, across the type of builds used? Um, remembering when you are introducing new things into the game as well, you add the potential to automatically introduce meta. And what balance um, should be about doing is uh, making sure that there's not a dominant strategy 
that emerges, it shouldn't be about not having those strategies change. So it's not that you don't want a meta, you just want different metas. It, you know, the best case scenario is where it's an ever-changing thing um, so that, that people can use those skills around um, looking at what strategy, you know, doing that work in the mech lab and, and those kind of things. To answer your uh, perhaps semi-rhetorical question, you know, you, you have we have seen a shift in meta over the last MRBC seasons. Uh, and, I mean, I haven't played MRBC going back very far but um having watched a few we know that you know that as certain in particular certain mechs have been added to the game uh which have made machine guns super viable for example uh, that shifted the meta up um for the most part at the, especially at the higher levels you'll see teams just using whatever the best thing is uh, say laser vomit in the height of that um and then uh and then it's only a few outliers where it seems like a team will try to surprise the other team by, you know, suddenly bringing LRMs, for example, let's say. And 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 they, that's because they're, they're relying on the fact that the enemy team is going to do something very predictable. Hey, let's throw a curveball at these guys and bring LRMs and um, potentially, hopefully capitalizing on that. And, and if not, entertaining the people who are watching. Yeah. Yeah, and that's um, when you can start to force those high-skill players to use different strategies rather than different mech builds or um, or purely assigning the meta to the type of mech and play style. Um, when it starts to become around strategic decisions, that's when you're in a good place because, you know, it means that... Um, you uh, your weapons and your mechs are probably pretty balanced and people are having to look outside that um, to, to be able to, to beat another team. I suppose to reframe this uh, uh, topic from another angle, and we're talking about balance and we're talking about player skill, one of the challenges PGI face is that at the top levels of the game, a weapon might be super potent, like let's say laser vomit, because those top level players can uh, peek out of cover uh, as soon as they expose, they're firing their lasers, they're holding their whole burn on a single component, and then they're getting straight back into cover without taking hardly any damage in return. So at those top levels, laser vomit can be very strong. Whereas, conversely, at the lower levels, you know, a player might come out, be standing in the open, see an enemy mech, burn it, just try to hit it, wash it all over, and those weapon systems are very ineffective at those levels. So what do you do? Do you buff the weapon for the lower skill players or do you nerf it for the higher skill players? Or do you make sure that higher skill players are playing other higher skill players and lower skill players are playing other lower skill players so that they can use the same weapon in two different ways? Yeah, it's just still could be a risk that um, at those higher levels that, there's, that people will just only bring that one dominant weapon because they're the kind of people that go out there to win. Absolutely. And, and, and then that's what balanced decisions would come down to. Balanced decisions would see where you can clearly see um, that that type of meta is emerging and then make decisions on ways to counter that or to have that uh, the meta shift. But to make balanced decisions where you can't hand on heart say that the data that you're seeing reflects what you think it reflects, um, that's when you start to get into trouble. 
Right. And that's why that's why players knowing player skill and having a good matchmaking system, they're two of the most fundamental things to allow you to make good decisions around balance. I've seen the argument put out there and it has some holds some water that if we balance our game based on the way that one percent of our players play, it might create an unbalanced game for ninety nine percent of our players. Exactly. Which is why you need reliable data across all skill levels of player. Because then you can see how a certain mech weapon system or nerf or buff operates across the board. Given how big an influence player skill can be on performance, you want to be seeing how that weapon is performing across all of those skill levels. So your key takeaway from this that I'm getting from you again and again is it's it's not worth even trying to balance your game if you're not getting good data. Yes, absolutely. Because the risk being, particularly if you're using bad data. Right, so you're trying to balance your game based on bad assumptions. Yeah, particularly if you're trying to match those bad assumptions up with uh, anecdotal community feedback or your experience of the game. Um, it's just too easy to reach false positives or false negatives or to, or to make some, some logical errors. If you've got good data, you use the data to give you insight, and then you test that insight against the lived experience of um, you know, the people within PGI with the community as well. Uh, if they're giving you uh, counters to what your insight are, then you go back to that good data and see whether that's supported and whether it's just that you've pulled the wrong insight out of it. If we have a matchmaker that is you know, not, not giving us that the, the base level that we need, if it's not pitting players of equal skill against each other, then straight away we're going to get, we're, we're not going to get performance metrics that um, are reflective of player skill. Instead, you're opening the door for all of these other factors to come in and start influencing what, um, how different weapons perform, how different mechs perform, because you've got such widely different player skills in the games. It makes perfect sense to me. And I, and I really hope that PGI do look into that or are looking into it already. I mean, there's been a big push within the community for a long time for Matchmaker to be improved. I mean... What kind of things would you hope that they were doing? What I'd hope they'd do is look at a revamp of the tier system um, so that if you do have tiers, that those tiers can be directly related to your player skill. So if you are tier one, um, it does say that you are a certain, you, you do have a certain skill level um, and that there's mobility in the tiers. So that if I get worse at the game, so for example, if I go up to tier one, uh, I find myself playing constantly with players that are better than me, and I can't get better and compete. It's better for me to drop back down to tier two. So if there's no mobility in the tier system, it makes it an even worse representation of how good someone is at the game. So yeah, that's what I'd hope that they would look at, that they're revamping the tier system so that it does reflect player skill, um, and that there's mobility so that you can move up and down. PGI have said in the past, and they have said in the past that they were concerned that uh, high level, if there was too much mobility in the tier system, that high level players would deliberately tank games to try and go down and smurf people. 
Yeah, look, I think that's a, a definite possibility. But in my experience, it's it's easier data wise to pick up to pick out where people are deliberately sandbagging, um, and to do something about that. Secondly, it's it's making assumptions about why people play the game. You know, I think if you talked to the community and talked to people that do play the game, I think you'd find that it'd be a very, very small amount that would want to doctor the system that way. Um, you're better to make it 90, you know, 95, make it good for 95% of the players. And if 5% of it are using it to their advantage, it's probably still a good thing. Speaking for myself, I, I can say that I am finding it extremely frustrating at the moment to be having these bad matchup games uh, and you know there's no way that I would deliberately put myself in that situation because you know say I push my tier down well the people in my team are going to be bad as well yeah and not necessarily bad but not necessarily as good as you need them to be for the for the level um, one of the other massive benefits that if you did revamp the tier system and if the tier system was a more accurate accurate reflection of player skill and therefore high skill players such as yourself were more, were more often getting uh, matches that were good. Proton's probably going to have a much better experience of the game if he's playing games that are close to Div A games. You know, he may be at a skill level that you know, it, it's going to be much, much harder for PGI to do that, but he probably gets more satisfaction when he's playing those 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 games that are against other high-level teams. What you would also get from doing that is make those high-skill players just feel a little bit better about it. I think a lot of the outrage um, around balance and a lot of the complaints that um, those high-skill players have are because they don't feel as though they're having fun. They're not having fun. They're not getting in games where they feel it's competitive for them or they can be tested. And they say they see things happening to the weapon systems and the mechs that they like, and that just makes it even less fun for them. But if they were constantly getting matched up against other players that are near their skill level, I think they wouldn't be as concerned about changes that are going to happen to weapons and stuff like that. I think you would get a massive... Um, uh, flow of support from the community, from those high-tier players, if efforts were made to put them with other high-skill players more often. Personally, I'd love for the game to to have a better matchmaker. I think, and and to be the idea to me to me of getting clean data on how um, weapons are performing is very appealing. Like with the, and and you can say at this level, these weapons are doing this well, um, and that that requires a good matchmaker. I can understand that, um, and I, I I really hope that we get that sometime soon. With a um, good measure of player skill, and therefore a um, good and a good matchmaking system to put those players together more often than not. Um, you know, hopefully you would then have a better idea of which weapon systems and mechs need to be changed. Um, and hopefully it would you would need to make less balanced decisions. I mean, that's yeah, that would be the ultimate goal. I think that the, 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 the Sleipnir is the mech that I, my number one mech that I would recommend that a new player goes out and buys because it's it's pretty easy to play the play styles that it can it can take a diverse loadout of weapons you can take four uac fives you can take the heavy gorse and three you know, medium lasers or four you can take uh quad lbx which is super easy mode i mean and, and then other builds as well but it's it's got good geometry it's easily one of the best mechs in the game 
but I still don't think it should be nerfed. I think that 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 is clearly the kind of factors that it takes to make a sort of, you know, run of the mill. You know, IV four is another example. It, those are the kind of fact. The, those are the kind of quirks that it takes to make one of those Innisfear mechs really worth playing. I think other mechs need to be brought up to that level, not at nerfed down. It's perfect where it is. Personally, I think we need some some better information as to what needs to happen with those mechs, you know, before we decide to to make those changes. So, yeah, let's let's hope. If people had something that they'd heard that they disagreed with, or if they just wanted to send us some autistic screeching, like how do they get hold of us? Yes, well, <laughs> two very very good methods. You can um, flick us an email at uh, incomingmissilepodcast at gmail dot com, or you can send us a tweet at incomingp on the Twitter. Uh, yeah, seriously, guys, we would actually love to hear what you say, and you know, if you come up with something interesting to us, we will read it out and discuss it on the podcast. Obviously, you know, a key thing for us with starting this podcast is we just want something out there for ourselves that is just some rational, interesting, uh, ranging discussion around this game that we all know and love. And, um, you know, ha- having your feedback, and even if it's disagreeing with us, um, certainly if you want to agree with us, send us that too. But yeah, even if it's disagreeing with us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, take a quick break and um, hit you with the next segment. Seven Warriors, we are back now with a segment that we call Sailing the Brown Sea. Yay! That's where we, yeah, that's where we get in our uh, scuba gear and, <laughs> and uh, everything <laughs> maritime related uh, and brave the forums uh, or Reddit um, to find something, um, you know, either particularly amusing or particularly significant, uh, something to talk about. And today, for our first one, we have a post uh, by. Uh, Young Burr. That's Beerclaw, isn't it? Also known as Beerclaw. Uh, and that was posted today. And it was said, I have a question. What made the community how it is now? Us? Them? No one. I'm curious. How do we get where we are now? Cause? Effect? Blame? Where do we put it? Who did this to us? Reason for salt? Just for memes? Why? Developer fault? Community fault? How do we hold accountable? (laughs) Who do we hold accountable for the situation now? Can we even hold anyone accountable? Is everyone innocent in this dilemma? Is dot was there a solution ever? I want to know. Tell me, please. There's a lot of question marks. (laughs) I was going to say your voice was getting pretty high pitched with all those all those question marks. Yeah, those inflections are killing me. Um, Blame. Unpick. Un- unpick this one for me, Captain. What's what's happening here for uh, Beer Claw? Well, <laughs> I think there's some some context needed here. For the for those that don't know, Beer Claw was recently handed a ban uh, and uh, made a sort of a public show of, of uh, we've seen a few of them lately of exiting the game, kind of a fuck this shit, two fingers up kind of thing. And I guess. You know, on one hand, we could say uh, he he genuinely cares about this game. He's very invested in it. Uh, or is he just trying to start some shit with this? What do you think? 
Yeah, yeah. Look, I think um, he probably still wants to be um, related to the community. I mean, there's you know there's a few responses in here. There's a few upvotes. Um, there's a couple of doozies in here. Mm. Uh, Calvin is credit six team says basically tabletop grognards insisting that what's a grognard, Kevin? Uh, neckbeards. Is that the same thing? Okay. Pass, insisting that PGI shoehorn mechanics from a game played with figurines and dice into a real-time FPS. PGI refuses to touch weapon weights and crits because of this. Yeah, I mean, there's there's um, some amusing stuff in there, and yeah, maybe it's a chance for Beer to express maybe his frustration. I mean, it, 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 I do find it amusing. All these people are like, "Fuck you, I'm out," and then within hours they're back at the window looking in. Yeah, I hope you yeah, guys aren't a... having any fun in there. <laughs> yeah, the game's a, shit, by a... the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout, shouting through the window, eh? Yeah. I think... <laughs> hey, don't forget, don't forget, I uninstalled, guys. I uninstalled. <laughs> I looked it up, by the way. I looked it up. Grognard is uh, from the French, meaning an old soldier, and uh, it's um, like a derogatory slang for slang for a war gamer. So I guess it's like a, you know, tabletop kind of derisive term nice Calvin I'm going to use that 16 yeah shout out that's a well nice we'll, we'll try and incorporate that that's good um, for Young Bear what do you from the responses that you've got in there you know what do you think is taken away from that uh, just supporting his we, is he getting his own little echo chamber there <laughs> well I don't know maybe he was hoping for a salt mine or just a lead, uh, you know a few rees of support um, but actually people have come through with some uh, considered answers and 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 put some good uh, put some uh, examples here. Oh, well, just sort of uh, looking back at the decisions that PGI has made and 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 actually, you know, some of the region, some of the areas where they thought they might have done better or um, the reasons why they they say PGI is to blame. Yeah, I mean, shout out TK Sachs um, in this post. Uh, he's got a couple there, uh, Kamikaze, Viking, MWO as well. Um, you know, some some good, as you say, some good reasonable points there, just kind of at least trying to bring some some balance to that discussion, which we're all about. Well, I, I, I think, you know, just despite the uh, diverse range of answers that you always get to these kind of questions, I, the thing I always take away is that a lot of people really care about this game and want it to succeed. Like I, I want it to succeed. I want, you know, I'm annoyed about some changes. I get frustrated, but I, I, I'm still, <laughs> still holding out hope that, you know, we're gonna get to the golden age of Mech Warrior, and, uh, you know, everything's gonna be so much better in the near future. We're gonna see a sudden U-turn on, on one little thing that's just gonna make the game that much better. And, I mean, we saw a big bump in player numbers recently from. Uh, people cross. Uh, potentially, Solaris had an effect as well, but I think mostly actually BattleTech, um, because MechWarrior has always been a game that um, uh, struggled to market itself, uh, and uh, a lot of people started playing BattleTech, which is a game that was very uh, visible, and saw the models and you know started looking into the websites and and all that kind of thing and stumbled across MechWarrior. i mean i had people come into my unit and be like yeah you know i've always been a mechwarrior fan but i never knew this game existed it's like 
<laughs> such a shame to hear that that um, P, that PGI are not tapping their target market. You know, it's a, the people who love MechWarrior games do not know that there's a free online MechWarrior game out there. And um, I mean, it's a bit of a segue to say like there was a big bump in player numbers recently, and then that started to taper off again. I, I, it must be hard to walk into this kind of uh, rage as a new player and not be turned off. Yeah, so any new players listening, just, um, you know, maybe wait a year before you start reading um, Reddit or the forums. <laughs> uh, just to d- develop up. You just, you know, you can't... A, a sudden increase in salinity levels can be, can be detrimental. Bad for your health. I mean, you know, if, if you are new... The, I mean, I, I've seen posts by new players as well going, what's going on here? Like, what's your problem? The game seems okay. Like, it's true that uh, a lot of the annoyance and, and frustration that players feel is um, a product of the amount of time that they've been playing the game. You know, this game's been around for five years and people get frustrated that time again time and in in them in their eyes at least that time and again pgi miss the mark um as a new player you kind of don't need to worry about that stuff but do know that a lot of the time these these people especially the higher level players are making good points i mean they're angry and they're frustrated about it they've really invested in this game they've invested their you know a, a shit ton of time into the game uh you know they're you know, if they're in a top tier comp team, they've been practicing every night for tournaments and they've, you know, maybe, maybe even made quite a lot of money off it. There's people out there who have their whole career is based around this game. And it is, it must suck for them to see changes that they feel break the game. Um, yeah. But and guys like B. Yeah. Guys like Beaclaw are, are looking for those answers, uh, and I guess this post that we're seeing here is, um, you know, is a reach out to, to the community to say, you know, well, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I I've had quite a few people in how unit Discord coming on and and saying, basically, I've uninstalled the game, and then they're back every day to say I've uninstalled the game, and it it's kind of frustrating to see. Uh, you know, I don't want I don't want new players to be turned off the game because these guys are leaving. Um, and quite honestly, and I mean, even though their concerns are, are completely justified in a lot of cases, you know, there's, there's, there's no, no need for, we do. The last thing this game needs is for a whole lot of new blood to be turned away from the game by the salt. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, Beacle, you keep posting, and um, you know, I hope uh, you do find those answers that you're looking for. So, yeah, just um, maybe make write sure a you, uh, maybe write a rap or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a tear up riff there. That's nice. That's good. <laughs> Squeeze that one in. <laughs> awesome, guys. So yeah, do do check out the forums. Um, do check out that post. Um, if you are on there, um, and by all means, uh, you know, contribute and uh, read some of the good responses that you get on there. There's certainly a lot of good stuff that you can get from uh, some pretty experienced players. Uh, but as always, you know, do um, do try and uh, keep in mind the other side to it as well. Yeah, for sure.
I mean, and, and if and if you do want some advice in how to play the game, or you know, you just want to jump on and chill with a bunch of guys who know what they're doing, there's a ton of units out there who um, are always happy. Like, you know, on the surface, these these guys' personas on on the internet are, are salty because they're invested, like I said. But if you actually, a lot of them are really approachable and they're really keen to help people out. And um, you know, there's a ton of units out there where you could. Uh, learn a lot about all the secret rules of this game. Nice. Couldn't agree more. GG. GG. Alright, we will come back to you next time with another post. So, if you want to be featured on the podcast, then uh, get out there and put something funny on there that we'll pick up, or uh, send something to us and, and uh, point point us to it so that uh, we can chat about it. You heard Cousin right, Guys, man. the saltiest guys will uh, will get featured on the podcast. <laughs> hey, if you're going to sail the brown sea, you expect some uh, stormy waters. <laughs> <laughs> nice, G. All right, man. GG. GG. Point three, reporting task complete. So we're going to close the show today with uh, a few reminders and announcements. Uh, of course, a reminder to send us your feedback and comments uh, via our email account, uh, incoming missile podcast at gmail.com, uh, and you can send us a tweet via Twitter at IncomingP. The first announcement is we will pick one of those uh, comments or tweets, uh, and that lucky listener will win a mech pack of their choice uh, of the uh, upcoming mechs that have been announced. So send us um, what you thought about today, uh, particularly your opinion on the topics we've covered, uh, and uh, you might just get rewarded with a free mech pack. And if you did enjoy the podcast today, then please consider sponsoring us. Uh, we have a Patreon account, and you can find that at Incoming Missile uh, on Patreon. Uh, any support that you do give, do give us will, of course, go to producing more content. So thanks again. I uh, hope you're having good games out there, and uh, we'll see you next time. Shutdown sequence initiated.